In the spirit of reconciliation, Grab the Trace acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. Welcome to Grab the Trace podcast, a home design show to help you deliver your next project to its full potential. If you're looking for some tips and secrets for your next project, be it building a new home, renovating, or even just picking what window furnishings would best suit your space, we've got you covered. Whilst we try to help as much as possible, this podcast is of a general nature and we won't be able to take into account your individual circumstance. If you need personalized advice, you should engage a relevant professional consultant to help make the best decisions for your situation. So stick around, pull up your plans, and let's grab the trace. Howdy doody, everybody. Welcome back to the Grab the Trace podcast. Welcome back. I'm Lachlan. And I'm Michaela. And welcome to our first official episode, the previous one that so many of you listened to was just our teaser introduction episode. So, this week, we're very, very pleased to bring you the wide and wonderful world of mood boards and everything that goes along with it. But before we get there, we've just got a little bit of housekeeping to attend to. First of all, thank you everyone for listening to last week's episode. We are quite surprised with how many people did manage to tune in and got quite a few nice little comments. So, for those of you out there, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it, guys. What we'd like to do is in future uh, at this stage of the podcast, we'd like to kind of go through and read any written reviews that we've received. I think only Apple Podcasts offer that at the moment and potentially Google Podcasts will allow us to do that. But Apple Podcast is the best spot at the moment to leave a written review with a star rating as well. So, if you have the opportunity to do that, that would be amazing. So, guys, if you wanted to send through some DMs into the Instagram inbox like a few of you had, that'd be great and we'll be able to communicate and engage with you there. This morning, we put out a little poll on our Instagram page just asking for any questions that you would like to have answered. We have had a few uh, received at the moment. We did have one which was Michaela more of a testing question. We'll read out the other one. So, the first one, Michaela, I've got for you. Are you ready? Okay, sure. Okay. So, we've got one from Jesse and he asked, what are some mistakes that you've made in your own house builds that you wish you could change? Oh, this is just naming and shaming, isn't it? Thanks, Jesse. Probably my biggest mistake or thing that I wish I could change was actually my kitchen. And that's usually the heart of the home or where you want to put the most energy mm-hmm. and time and money into. And I think that's why I regret it the most because, again, it was kind of the most expensive area in the house. And I regretfully want to do something so different and I didn't want a cliche, <laughs> big, white, beautiful kitchen like everyone else does. So, I decided to take in my husband's comments and his wishes and he wanted something a bit different and a bit more moody and a bit more masculine. So, I actually ended up doing black cabinetry, which it sounds sounded good at the beginning and I was like, yeah, something different. Let's add a bit of moodiness. And now every time I look at it, I just want a big white kitchen. (laughs) (laughs) So it goes against everything I wished at the beginning. And I had this whole mood board and palette. And this is great for this episode because I'm going to go into why you should stick to your mood board and stick to your images because just like now, I regret a very large choice. So I'll go into it in a bit more depth and a bit more detail when we go to mood boards in our episode. But yeah, that's definitely my my biggest huge, huge, huge. Don't don't remind me. <laughs> it's too soon. I I don't think I've got one specific thing that I've made a blunder on. Mine are kind of more of a combination of small ones that I wish I maybe hadn't done or we could revisit. Mm-hmm. 
most of them, I guess, are even landscaping based. We've put turf down the side of our house about four different occasions now, thinking it'll be better than the last time. But we're lying to ourselves. There's no light. Not enough light. You don't give it love. And now it's just this swampland down the side. Not enough light. Too (laughs) much rain. We've all been there. When we first moved in, because we were one of the first houses on the street, when we built our project home, the I was I mean I was away playing tennis. I won't claim any credit here, but Caitlin was at home with her family and I think even my dad. And they put down I think it was close to three or four meters of topsoil in preparation for the lawn, and then had the lawn delivered. And so they were cutting up rolls of turf and putting it down. And by the time I got home from playing tennis, it was an enormous downpour. Oh, Half of the topsoil had oh, actually no. drained out onto the street because of the way that our block fell, um, which was great because then we said, you know what, we're not doing grass anymore. We're going to throw gravel on there and it'll be okay. all sweet. Pavers or stepping stones. Stepping you- stones in yep. between. We've got some Love bluestone it. ones. Ooh, so it was gorgeous. really nice. But once again, we've skipped a step. We didn't put any weed matting down. And so it's a, it's a constant battle at the moment of going against the weeds. Hold the phone. I think I just figured it out. We made the wrong decision. And if anyone buys a house in the future, it's not the wrong decision. It's a really clever decision for you, but not for us. So, with our house, and I'll I'll see if I can get a plan of it and put it online, our living area, our outdoor living area doesn't open onto the backyard. It opens onto Onto the the side. side. And it is one of the only regrets we've got with it. And the only reason we did this week was so we could have the really nice Luxe Master Suite out the back of the house with the ensuite, a media room if we want to knock that through and incorporate that. The only issues... And I I didn't pick it up when I was looking through it. Everything was like all nice and happy. That particular part of the building's on the west, and it we chose chose, chose black bricks as well. So it gets toasty there. <laughs> Mitigated most of it by putting UV reflected window tint on oh, yeah. those windows. So that's yeah, super saved helpful. It. But what it has led to is our living area with the tiles we originally chose, and because the blocks of land we're on, they step. It's quite dark and then not a lot of light really gets in from the overhang of the neighbour. I guess that's more the south, so it doesn't matter too much, but not a lot of light gets in. So much so that after listening to the episode, Caitlin asked me what the logistics of putting skylights were. So thank you for that. I started a chat. Thank you for that. Thanks, Caitlin. So that's, that's homework for me to figure out. But actually going on from that, that's the fundamentals is getting the, when you're looking at all the plans, like really thinking ahead, and I'll touch on another thing that I wish we'd been able to do, but it's purely because we didn't have the space with the plan that best suited our needs. But I mean, at the same time, we managed to squeeze a few extra things in, but I'll touch on that later. Those are probably the main things would be the landscaping and then trying to get the layout right at the start, even though you might feel your hamstrung, mm-hmm. spending a couple of thousand dollars on variations with the builder. Making sure once the might- layout's locked in, you can't change it. Yeah. It's built. Yeah. where you can change around floor finishes or wall paint colours or tiles even. You can even redo bathrooms, but you can't rebuild a house too exactly. easily. So You've got more flexibility than you think. We thought that we were pushing the envelope by asking for a cavity slider door onto an ensuite that Bless. didn't have a door onto it to make it from an open ensuite into a closed one because heaven forbid you want to be lying in bed and looking at someone on the toilet. We added probably the, the only real thing of benefit we did was we added a separate basin into the powder room, into the separate toilet that we've got. That, Are you giving away too point. many secrets here? Are we I'm on to saying, the next I'm few just trying episodes? To, I'm, I'm trying to downplay how badly we stuffed up with that one mistake and we <laughs> okay, offset. It's, it's that, that, that's it's enough fine. of that. All right. So there you go, Jesse and listeners. Those are the main ones. Now, the, the other one I'm going to throw at you, Michaela, and we were talking about this just before while we were setting everything up. Just going to delve into the DMs to pull it up. Here we go. So this one's from Ben. Any experience or tips 
for first-time kitchen and ensuite renovations. IKEA versus Bunnings versus designing custom with a fabricator or a joiner. Oh, fantastic. Personally, I have actually built Bunnings, IKEA and custom joiner. So I've done it all, all in my Renaults as well. I am the answer. Here we go. No, I have done an, I've done an Ikea everything, lived at Ikea. And I've even got a lot of tips when it comes to Ikea. Don't you worry? Because again, my husband wouldn't let me actually go into the store. He refused to. So I had to type everything up, get all the product codes, go into the exit, order everything. And he would stay in the car. So I had to get it all sorted. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hates it. Won't go into Ikea. It's like no man's land. So um, done Ikea and I've done a all the wardrobes. I've done a laundry. I've done a butler's pantry. I haven't done a bathroom in Ikea, but I've done those areas. I've done a Bunnings kitchen and I've done obviously custom joinery to my now house. This was more the first reno that we did. Um, we already had an existing Bunnings kitchen that we just added to and we like checked. we pretty much ripped everything out and then reshuffled as much as we could utilize the cabinetry that was there and then added to it in terms of versus or like what's easier or cheaper it it obviously all comes down to costings so i'm a huge fan of ikea in the sense that they actually use bloom soft clothes and hardware yes. yep so that's quality that's 100 that's what i would go to a custom joiner to get their soft clothes and and their fittings and fixtures and internals i find ikea is great for all the knickknacks all the organizers all the bin drawers the accessories the even the, like pull out tea towel racks i feel like you can obviously go to headich and Halfway and I can rattle off a few other brands, but I find as well, maybe Ikea has more parts or components that you can build for your kitchen. So it's got obviously your stock standard parts, like your, your 300, 600, 900, 1200, all those parts and components, but Bunnings is, or the Caboodle is a lot cheaper probably easier to put together and I find their lead times are a lot better yes so yeah. everything is actually like custom order through Bunnings but it's usually all in stock it takes a few days where Ikea it's if it's not available and it's not on the shelf you just have to wait for it to come back yeah, in yep uh, also I've done numerous trips where it's like oh okay the North Lakes one doesn't have it in stock so I'll go all the way out to Logan and then that one doesn't have availability and you're trying to oh, anyway a bit of a nightmare but I think honestly in terms of quality in terms of costings again it depends on which finish and which style you choose but they're pretty cost comparative in terms of the cheapest Ikea is very very comparative to the cheapest Caboodle and then their expensive is very comparative I just find Ikea has more to offer yeah Bunnings yep. is more easily accessible to yes and you did mm. you do any custom joinery at your place yeah so my existing reno or yeah, my yeah. first reno so either or. Uh, my first reno we did the laundry in Ikea butler's pantry in Ikea I did all the wardrobes in Ikea and then I did the caboodle kitchen, but then I did a custom two-pack vanities in the bathrooms because it was a bit of an odd size and I wanted like, it was more like a Hamptons kind of traditional style. So I had like the chrome tapware, the polished chrome and the marble and had um, shaker profile doors and a very traditional kind of style. So we went with two pack there. So I kind of had all three within the one house, but they all relayed well to each other. They all kind of fit into the same scheme. In terms of costing, straight away, two pack is probably the most expensive (laughs) cabinetry you could look at other than obviously like solid timber. 
or even timber veneer can get pretty expensive. And then in my current house, my current Renault, we did custom cabinetry, but I didn't do two-pack. We went with like a prefab laminate. So we did Polytech and Laminex and, and those kind of brands. So I've got pretty good experience <laughs> across yeah. the board and in terms of price point. It's obviously more expensive than your Bunnings and your Ikea, but it's a lot cheaper than your custom two-pack cabinetry. It kind of sits in the middle. Obviously, the pros with going custom is whatever size room you're looking at, you can obviously fit custom cabinetry it's to. Flexibility. Yeah, it's yeah. and you don't have odd little gaps and spaces and sizes. I also you can kind of look at an IKEA kitchen, you know, oh, I know that profile, I know that color, I know exactly where that came from. Sure, sure. Where with custom you can kind of make it yeah. what you want. Usually go through your builder, so any builder is going to have contacts in the cabinetry or stone masonry or tiling, waterproofing, all of that. So that would probably be my first point of goal. Call is to go through a builder. Otherwise, I would honestly just like get on Google, go through high yep. pages, look at cabinetry joiners. Is it too hard to say I'd recommend going to an interior designer? That's a really good point. So, Ben, I hope that answers your question and uh, keep sending them in, everyone. We know we're, we're taking a little bit to get in the episode this week, but just before we do, we've got two final little segments we'd like to touch on. So, the first one is what we're calling Inspiration Gram, which is our little Instagram shout out that we did last week. I picked Hunting for George and Michaela picked EST Living. I'm not sure if it is established yeah, living look, now. I I'm a little bit concerned. I, I, even I don't know. I have no idea. But that's fine. Check our Instagram. We've, uh, we've done like a little summary post and tag them in there if you need the deets. So, my pick for this week is an architecture firm based in Melbourne and their name is Landy Architects. And in particular, a project that I've been looking at that I'm really vibing with is their South Yarra House. Their Instagram is Landy, L-A-N-D-E, full stop, A-R-C-H-I on Instagram. Check it out. It's well worth it. Big vibes. What's, what's kind of the key features from that house or that project right. that you love? So that particular one, I'm all about existing, not necessarily heritage, but buildings of character. So okay. I think this particular one was a worker's cottage oh, that stunning. they kind of refreshed at least at the front and then did a little something fun at the back, almost like a mullet, like very serious <laughs> and straight up for it. And then out the back, they kind of let the They'd freedom They'd be so roam. offended if they hear that and they're like, how dare you call our project a mullet? <laughs> it's a really nice mullet. It's coming back into fashion. So out the back, lots of glazing, lots of natural light, stunning landscaping designs even fantastic there look for pointers look for inspiration go from there over to you okay Michaela's pick of the week um I've got an absolute beauty for you this week so this is from an incredible interior designer called Georgie Shepherd, and the project that I kind of want to focus on is her Stanley House project it is Oh, from top to toe. It's just beautiful. I, divine. Divine. Honestly, you guys need to, yeah, check it out. Just even type in Georgie Shepherd online and go to her projects, go to Stanley House. It's oh, all-time favorite. It's got limestone. It's got arches. It's got beautiful timber cabinetry. It's got cobblestones, like you name it. It's there. It's just, it's beautiful. It's stunning. Beautiful. Stunning. Enjoy. Fantastic. All right. Well, the last one that we'll touch on before we do get into the meat of the episode today, which is mood boards. How do you create the mood? How do you even just pick the images for the mood? What mood? What is your mood? Anything to do with mood. Okay. So the last one is the title of the segment is still up in the air. I'm calling it Home Hacks, which is oh, pretty okay. much just the way people described it to me last week was the amount of feedback I've had on the skirting board height has oh, been unreal. Big win. So much so that on the weekend, I mean, it was for other reasons as well, but at the Ipswich renovation, I'm mm-hmm. at the stage of starting to put skirting boards down. Oh, you know, 90 is a standard. 90 is a standard. There. That's where you want to go. And they do sell it at Bunnings and it's not as expensive there as everyone thinks. Square because- edge. 
I went bevel. Oh, I went the bevel. But the key is if your flooring is good enough, you can go like 11 mil thick rather than 18 mil thick. Mm -hmm. It just makes it that little bit more cost effective if you do want to kind of get that extra height in there. So my pick for this week, and it kind of leads on from what I was talking about earlier in the planning stage, was making sure, and this is something that you and I are trying to fight for in a lot of projects at the moment, is the washer dryer underbench. If you can, if you can fit it, if at any way possible you can fit it, I know there's certain plans, especially with project homes, where there's not enough space and to kind of rearrange it to make it work, it's not feasible. But it's one of the the things that my wife, Caitlin and I, it doesn't annoy us too much. But if we had the chance to go through it again, maybe we would have picked a slightly larger laundry. Mm-hmm. We're nowhere close to being able to fit both on the bench anyway, but yeah. It, it's it's something where it it's just an, makes it's a nice luxury having a bench top an actual bench top and not just the space around the sink and then the top of your washing machine having nice a nice bench top across there bit of overhead storage chef's kiss. beautiful chef's kiss <laughs> three chef's kisses from me so that's my pick for this week okay love that now michaela yeah Everyone's got huge expectations oh of gosh. you from last week. I mean, you, you listed off some great ones. You got your skirting board height. You got your higher than standard doors, skylights. Skylights were huge in my household this week. Started a conversation. Especially even on the block. Some would say that you actually started it and then the block copied you, especially oh, this year. I would I mean. like to. I would like to know who said that. <laughs> Not me. All right. So, off the top of your head, okay. or have you got one prepared earlier? I've got. A, I've got. You've I've got, got two. Prepared. You've got two. Oh. All right. I've got three. You've got three. I've got that, three. We'll set it. You go three. Sorry. I'm going to go three every go week, three. guys. And I'm just going to smash them out. Here we go. Okay. First one off your laundry. I'm going to go a built-in laundry hamper drawer. So, she's done it again, oh, ladies and gentlemen. Done she's done it again. Done it. Um, again, they don't have to be – it doesn't have to be custom. I'd even find a – like you can get just a singular bin drawer if you're looking at like a caboodle or Ikea and that's cost-effective. It's just a really large single drawer and then that's enough to just pop all of your dirty clothes in. Again, Hedditch, Halfway, they do built-in ones or if you're going to do custom, obviously, they can build a full-height drawer. But I'm – it's essential. I feel like it's absolutely essential in any laundry I sacrifice personally I've got quite a small laundry so I've just got a standard sink I've got washer dryer under bench and then I've got my hamper drawer and it is the bee's knees I love it it one place for all the dirty clothes to go not on the floor not behind the door it goes not in, in the that basket hamper. in the middle of the room no I've got a golden rule if I find a piece of clothing on the floor gone rubbish it's gone. done it's done it's a rag it's a reno rag reno rag <laughs> reno rag so yep that's my top pick for a laundry um a second one is a linen cup or a section even if you're tight for space and you want to use like a section of a wardrobe as a full height broom charging vac space to put in a gpo put in a powerpoint at the back of that wardrobe or linen cupboard and then that's just this one area where you can put all your mops and your buckets and your broom and your charging vac but honestly you'll use it every single day charging vacs are the bomb you'll be able to like whiz around your house pop it back in the cupboard it's got its spot I love organization and storage. I find, again, a whole other episode that I'd love to touch on is just getting in storage into your house, where be that a reno, be it a new build, a project home, you can find it. You can find areas, find little bits and bobs to store. So that's going to be a huge one. So GPO in the back of a linen, pull out hamper. And then number three, in the kitchen, again, I can touch on so I can just, we can do episodes and episodes on kitchen designs, but purposeful appliance nook or cupboard that's not necessarily like I hate these big beautiful kitchens and everyone focuses so much on this you know beautiful stone or beautiful rear bench top and then they're like cool I'll pop in my $10 kettle and toaster on the corner <laughs> my of the bench my Contempo Big W toaster yes. <laughs> 
I've got exactly. one at home. They're, look, everyone's guilty. It's fine. It's fine. It but, lives in our pot drawer. Oh, that hurts my soul. So, <laughs> sorry, guys. <laughs> so, no, I definitely a spot for your appliances. Be that, obviously, if you're blessed enough to have a large enough kitchen to have a butler's pantry, make sure that there's an area that can they can be out. Because let's be honest, as much as I'm an advocate for a beautiful space that looks like a show home 24-7, it still needs to be usable. You still need to be able to use that space every day. So making sure you can happily have a place where you can pop it behind closed doors or have it in a butler's pantry where it's not seen or design it into your kitchen somehow that it's not an eyesore. That's my like tip number three. I love it. That's fantastic. All right. We now bring you to the meat of the show. Let's get into it. It's mood board time. Michaela, for this next segment, you are the feature. Oh, gosh. All I am (laughs) is the guy controlling the audio and just yes-ending and asking questions. Wow. Okay, give me a clap. Do we get a clap? You ready? Let's get into it. Okay, so what defines a mood board? So in my opinion, what defines a mood board is a collection of images, be that digital or printed out, scraps piece of paper that you've kept on for years, but it's a collection of images that you love for any specific reason. You look at a kitchen image and you love the pantry design or a front landscaping image and you love the garden beds or the plant selections or any type of area or key space around the home, collection of images that you keep coming back to and you love. Any any comment, Lockie? No, that sounds great to <laughs> that me. Sounds I mean, great. That sounds great to me. Honestly, guys, we're, we're talking to someone who probably one of the more important aspects of your job, at least when we meet with clients, is trying to distill what they give to you in a in, a, in kind of a brief, mm-hmm. I guess. And you are almost preparing this mood board as a return brief to them. So you're saying, I understand the vibes or the themes that you're mm-hmm. wanting. Here are a collection of curated images that I think that define that. Distill that. And even if they're throwing out words or they're saying, I like this particular element or I like that, you're kind of in that return brief, this mood board, you're expanding upon that mm. and you're giving a bit of, well, why do you like that? You like this room, not because it's a nice and light space, but it's a nice and light space because there's a lot of glazing. The The walls are a light color. There's there's so many different things. The ceilings are higher than they usually are. And so through that kind of process, you can tease out the kind of intent or the design that they're wanting to achieve. Mm-hmm. And it's probably one of the more important aspects of then being able to set yourself up to go and complete the rest of the design and work through it to yeah. then an end product. No, definitely. I Just going off from our client's perspective, I think it's a lot easier, I feel, to collect a mood board or a curation of images, as you explained for our clients in the sense that they're giving us a demographic, so an age group in particular that we're trying to target. We're targeting a location in terms of we know what suburb this apartment block or townhouses or development is going to take place in. So we've already got a location, we've got a age demographic, and that's usually a huge key indicator as to what kind of theme we're going to choose. So if it's an older demographic per se, and so we're trying to target age demographic around the retired age, say, and we're going to be mindful of lots of open wide spaces, wide corridors, we're going to do anti-slip tiles in the bathrooms, we're going to try and integrate key items like lots of bench space, lots of cooking area, we're going to do potentially a built-in seat in the shower, grab rail locations for in the future 
if they want to have more safety in the bathrooms. And if it's, say, based on the coast, so now we're on the beach, so we have to deal with salt. Any materials that are going to withstand that location, we're going to be looking at them obviously traveling to the beach and coming back. So we need durable floor finishes and materials. We're going to need a larger laundry in case they go surfing or they need to have lots of storage for surfboards or fishing gear. We're going to need functional work finishes or floor finishes, sorry, for if they've got indoor pets. It's yep, a yep. huge, huge consideration. So in terms of a mood board for our listeners and how that's relatable to them, it all comes down to you or your family or whoever's going to be living there. That's your brief. You've already got an age demographic. You've given yourself a location as to where you're either renovating or where you're looking at building. Then we have our tick items in the sense that how many bedrooms are you going to need? If you're elderly or retired, you just have to take into consideration they're obviously not going to want, you know, a four-story walk-up. Like, yes. they're going to be looking at elevators. They're going to be looking at lifts, if anything. They're going to be looking at open spaces. They probably don't need five, six bedrooms. They don't need an acre and a half of grass or gardens to look after. So you're already giving yourself a target demographic. You're already giving yourself a location. You're giving yourself your tick or checklist items that how many bedrooms how many bathrooms you need and then it's kind of then we're trying to fit out the shell if that makes yes, sense yes yep so we're trying to find images that suit your checklist fantastic so the next point okay where do you get those images from okay sourcing so where can you find these images so we obviously touched on it last episode so we're looking at I, again i keep coming back to pinterest but it is it is honestly my my favorite tool to work with. It's you can type in and search any word, any image, any kitchen, bathroom, landscaping, porch, study, you name it. You can type in whatever you want. You can type in finishes and it's going to come up with relevant images for you to use. So again, Pinterest is a huge one. Again, our EST living or hunting for George, even just the good old Google images. Like on, uh, you can really find so much, even just taking photos of, I used to do, and I know you just get fixated on these things when you're Renault, I swear. But if you're driving to work every day and I would just get so fixated on, we were doing garage designs and like front fences. So I would just stare at every single house drawing, going by, or I'd go to like all the nice suburbs around me and go check out how they've done their front fence. Almost or, playing Tinder with like a front fence. Oh, 100% going, yes, swipe no, left. yes, yeah. no. No, and then eventually you realize you've got a type of fence, exactly. like you would in a type of partner. Oh, good. I love that. Good link. Yeah. So you can, again, just take photos. You can include those. So in terms of sourcing images, I definitely recommend, yeah, a lot of internet-based ones, but you can still get out there, take photos, get as much inspiration as you can. Even small things like your friends' houses, people who have bought and built, and then you ask them what their favorite areas of their home are. Take photos of those little things. Take photos of the built-in window seat that they have or, you know, the amazing storage in their, you know, walk-in linen that they have. Like All these little things are great inspiration. I love it. I love it. So how do you display these? Are we putting them in a scrapbook with oh. the, the getting the Elmer's glue out? Are we putting it in there? <laughs> uh, playing arts and crafts. No, honestly, there's so many different ways of displaying it. Again, in a professional sense, I use programs like InDesign, Photoshop, Illustrator. It doesn't have to be, you know, this beautiful curated art piece, but it's honestly just a, the easiest, most simplified way for you to visualize all of these images in one kind of grouping. So I'm a, again, a huge advocate for grouping all these images in kitchens and bathrooms and typical linen or entry details or foyers. I like to group it into areas, into rooms, even like my own personal Pinterest, all the folders that I have 
have are grouped into these areas. So say if I'm looking for a particular type of kitchen, I'll just go to the kitchen yep. board and it's all there. I can scroll through. That's a really easy one. Um, again, you can actually use Pinterest as your display area, I guess, if you'd, if you'd like to call it that. People who are more visual, they can obviously get out all of their favorites, print out every single kitchen image that you have, print out every single bathroom image that you have, put it in a good old clear folder. And so you can see it all. You can even, you know, cut them all up, paste them all out, put it on a pin board, whatever works for you. Big fan of obviously grouping it all together so you can see consistencies, consistencies yes. across each of those groupings. Yep. Well, I guess to, to go on there, the next point you've got in there is theming mm -hmm. and theming based on my preliminary understanding is <laughs> yes. finding the patterns like we were saying earlier trying to make sense of it all mm -hmm. so you'll look at like 20 30 different kitchens and they're kitchens that you like maybe a particular thing about you may like a couple of things about since so now time to try and bring it that. all together let's let's less is more this let's yes. maybe filter out a few of the ones that maybe have repeated elements in some of the other ones so we go yep fine that one's not helpful anymore yeah. Or you'll even find as well, I'm not saying, you know, even if you're looking at, say, like I made the example before, 50 kitchens and out of those 50 kitchens, 20 of them all have white cabinets and they've all got shaker profile or just to make it a little bit different, you look at everything and all these kitchen images, say, have black marble countertops. That's your that's your theme and that's obviously what you love. Now, the only thing is when it comes to categorizing or finding a set theme is usually this isn't just one person's house. Usually, <laughs> usually this is two. So we're playing with like either it's your brother or your sister that you've gone in with or it's a group of you and some friends that have bought a house together or you're renovating. It could be obviously just your partner, your girlfriend, your husband, boyfriend, whoever it might be. It might even be the family home that you're helping mum and dad with. There's going to be a lot of cooks in the kitchen. So it's not just one person's idea of their dream home. And I'm going to say nine out of 10 times, even with our residential clients, they're going to have polar opposite tastes. We're going yep. to have the Hamptons dream and then we're going to have super modern, contemporary, urban kitchens. Who knows? We're going to have a big mixture. And my one bit of advice is if you do run into that and, you know, hubby loves the dark and moody kitchens and you're all about light and bright and white – don't try and come up with a mismatch of themes. Don't try and go, okay, well, I get my dream kitchen and you can have your dream bathroom. I definitely recommend bringing those together and coming up with something that you can both be happy with and both compromise on instead of trying to make two themes work. Come up with one theme that you both can live with. Yep, the because compromise. Exactly. It's Instead of going, okay, well, she, you know, he wants a black kitchen, she wants a white kitchen, let's do a grey kitchen. I'm not saying that. <laughs> I'm just yeah, saying, yeah, don't, don't meet in the middle that yeah, way. I'm just saying, okay, well, if you like your Hamptons, let's, I'm just giving an example. If, you know, you like your white dream Hampton style kitchen and the big marble and the brush brass everywhere and glitz and glam, and he wants super sleek concrete bench tops, black cabinetry, let's meet in the middle. Let's do maybe a white kitchen and then we'll do some feature cabinets or feature dark smoked timber flooring. Maybe he wins oh. on the flooring and you get your white kitchen and then you can do something a little bit more classic or timeless for a pendant line. So it's not about mashing styles together. We don't want, I know I've heard so many times, it's like, oh, it's coastal farmhouse or it's boho, or it's boho chic. Or, Shots fired. You know, it's just, you can, your theme could just be nice. I'm so sick of like, oh, do, I love that. do you yeah. remember those? 
do you remember those really bad UK renovation shows? And it's like renovation, like, oh, what was it called? It was like Renault's in 24 hours. Or I'll be whatever. honest with you. I probably watched all of them. Caitlin oh. and I are huge into this. It's the really good one. It's um, DIY rescue or renovation rescue or oh, something. I just remember like back in the day, I remember being like early teenager and it was like, they'd do this whole house before the, you know, the mum would come home and they'd paint everything oh. and they'd have the whole team and they'd do it in like 60 minutes. And it was awful absolutely awful and then they try and like bring the family back through when they're doing the room reveal and they're like you went on that holiday to hawaii so now you have a a hawaii themed lounge room (laughs) look at the coconut shell exactly like we don't want that we don't want just nice can be a theme yeah like beautiful and elegant can be a theme it doesn't have to be a cliche theme is that all you want to say on theme was that everything i think um yeah another thing or another point is just don't force yourself into a theme don't go well i like white shaker cabinet so it's gonna be hamptons like well no you can you can do your own style or your own take on a particular material palette you can love marble you can love color cutter you can do the white shaker profiles but guess what you might love black as well and you can do some super sleek joinery handles you can do some beautiful tapware you can do some you know a really dark wall and you can go moody with it and make it yeah something different you can you can do your own take i just said don't i just think just don't force yourself into a theme be really open and be really honest with the images that you're you're curating and you're bringing together, be really honest about why you like each item, why you like each photo or each point. And then, yeah, just don't rush it. It can just be an overall palette you could love, not yeah. necessarily a theme. When I say a theme, I just mean consistency in terms of palettes, colors, materials, design, style. Like I don't think I feel like it's really disjointed when you walk into a house and you go, okay, they've got a Georgian manor dining room and they have a black moody contemporary study. And then you go up to the bedroom and it's like boho. And then you go into the bathrooms and it's coastal and we have, yep. you know, blue wainscoting everywhere. Like just one, cons- just consistency. Yeah. Consistency and it, it, it's, across it's okay the board. to grow with it. Like you might move in and start going down one route and then you're like, handbrake, got to pull the handbrake. We got to change this out. That's fine. But one cohesive, Palette. palette. Yeah, one palette, one idea that you can carry through. Or I call the you, bones, the yeah. bones of a project. Like, so flooring, wall color, skirtings, layout, doors, joinery handles. That's kind of the crux. And then you can build on that. Like say if you come in and you're you're living in your house and it's already been built, you're done and you're, you're happy with, you know, it might be what you think a little bit boring or again, I touched on it last episode. Don't try and get everything in. If it doesn't work and it doesn't reflect back to that mood board and those images, you don't need to put it in. It's fine. You can you can add interest or you can add style flair with furniture, with styling, which Agreed. can be easily Agreed. changeable or interchangeable. You don't need to Yeah, just don't 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 cram it all in. Don't just yeah. pair it back. Be simple. <laughs> if you're presenting even a simple room, but it ties in with a couple of the main items that you have in the rest of the house it can lift a boring room into that room that you walk into and go oh that's obviously intentional like Mm. that was a a, like purposeful decision so don't try and do every single room in a different floor finish keep the carpet all the same color and that matches you know your floorboards or the main tile and you know it's not too boring if you've got tiles throughout your house continue the same tile into the bathrooms we don't need to go crazy here nope just consistency is key and let that be beautiful bare bones that you can add to at a later stage. You want paneling, you want wainscoting, you want a VJ wall. You can you can add that yep. as long as the bones are there. Finalizing. Okay. How do we wrap these ideas up? We've we've started wide 
Yep. We've brought it in. We've, we've categorized. We've gotten rid of bits that don't bring joy, bits that don't contribute to the, the idea, the vibe. And we've now got what we think is our theme. Okay. Once we have a theme, we've got our little categories, but it doesn't actually just stop there. You don't go, okay, great. There's my dream home. There's my mood board. We're done. It's actually quite evolving. It's organic. Let it be organic. Keep adding to it. I always look back, even again, I said on my Pinterest, I look back at photos that I've pinned or saved from four years ago and think, what the, why would I ever pin images like that? Like, It's going to be organic. Your tastes are going to change over time as well. Your needs, your checklist, as I said, in terms of like demographic and needs and wants in a house, they're going to change. They're going to revolve over time. So your mood board images are going to change with that. So let it be organic. Keep changing it. Keep swapping it out. You hate images. Again, chuck it out. But the new ones that are added are still going to be cohesive and they're still going to match all the relevant images that are there. So that's my theme. That's finalizing. And then I guess once you've got an overall theme or you've got a mood, then we need to create a wish list. Yes. So this is going again into our next episode. I think we're kind of touching on... Little once you've taste. got a, Yeah. One, little taste. A little taste. Once, once you've got a mood, once you've got a theme, what are you going to do with it? We're going to create the building blocks. The building blocks. Building blocks. Next episode. So how can your theme or your mood evolve into your wish list items? So design elements or features that are highlighted in your mood board images, how are you going to bring that into your, what I call your checklist or your building blocks? For instance, you've got pretty much what 90% of your images have beautiful timber floorboards in every single one. And you're obsessed with really dark chocolatey hardwoods throughout. That's a consistent theme across, guess what? That's part of your building block. I think that's that's on the list. It's an easy decision. You're gonna you're gonna fight really hard in in terms of your budget. That can really obviously take a huge chunk. Huge chunk. Okay, we're not okay. Portion. No. Timber floorboards are worth it. I'm here for it. I put my hand up it's for an it. But it is. It's hundred percent an investment. I am a huge advocate for, and I even tell all my clients, your floor finish is your largest expanse of a finish. Correct. So invest in it. That's what you're going to be walking on, seeing it's the largest component or the largest scale of finish. So the color of that, the finish of that, how you use a space is very much dictated by those flaws. Invest in it and spend wisely. That's my first or like big tip. And gentlemen. Um, in terms of building on building blocks or finding out your checklist, that's again, going back to those mood board images, checking each category. Okay, in the kitchen, what do I keep finding photos of? Is it a, a really impressive large island? Is that my key focal point? Is that what I love? Or do I love particular type of pendant lights over the island? Do I love a glass splashback because I really want to have a garden behind the kitchen and bring in natural light and greenery. Is that my theme? Is it materials or palette? Is it a particular type of stone or do I really love timber bench tops? How am I going to incorporate that? Do I like a timber kitchen or a white kitchen or a black kitchen? Or do I like a particular door handle? Do I want to add curves? Do I want to add hidden storage, whether that be pushback doors, or do I love the idea of having a study nook in the kitchen? All of these things are what I call the building block or like the wish list. In terms of working with your significant other or whoever you are with building this house or renovating, you're both going to have very, very individual wish list or check items. I always try and limit it to five to 10. Sure. 
five to 10 checklist items that if you were going to build or if you were going to reno that you cannot live without. Sure. We can always, in terms of budget, if it goes, oh, I just need hardwood floors and your budget doesn't allow for it, you can find alternatives. We can work with your wish list or your checklist to make sure that you get those. And there's always an alternative for those items. Yep. So if you say I storage, storage is just key. I have so many clothes. Wardrobe is a big thing for me. That can be on your checklist. And then you make sure that when you're designing your bedroom, when you're looking at floor plans, wardrobes are really important to you and you need to get storage in. I don't know. I'm trying to think of my checklist items when I was renovating. And again, like storage was a huge one for me. A decent laundry because I came from a very small laundry prior to it. So I wanted lots of bench space. I wanted lots of storage. I'm, I've been known to be a little bit OCD. <laughs> so no, I love my labels. I love my organization. So kitchen for me was I had a lots of storage that I've got lots of doors that just push back so I can utilize my appliance nook or coffee machine area, push back the doors. And then when people come over or if I know lots of people are coming over, I can just close the doors and all the mess is hidden. Yeah. Yep. I really had to think about how I was using every single one of my kitchen cabinets and I guess trying to integrate my wish list. Why don't you tell us your checklist items? On my checklist yeah. items? Yeah. Did you have any like wish list items when you were looking at your, your house? Oh, that's a great one. See, it was interesting for me because this was very early on in my relationship with Caitlin and because she was the the finance behind it. <laughs> I was didn't want just to push your luck. <laughs> Honestly, every decision was like, oh, I'm thinking of doing this. I'm like, that's that so great. nice. <laughs> and you know what? She's actually, for someone who's not trained and has pretty much just watched the not block, trained. she's got an impeccable eye for a lot of this stuff. She's got good taste. Yeah, she's got good taste. So you, can't, I, you can't buy that. You can't learn no, that. No, Well, you can learn that. That's the point of the podcast. We're going to help you out. Because <laughs> <laughs> what we're, what, like something I'm thinking we could do here, I guess my, to jump back, my hit list, if I was designing something from scratch and it might be wasteful, but I want that entry door to be something cool. I want a pivot door. I want oh. something a little bit fancy. Because Street appeal. I want, yeah, I want, I just want something that jumps out that even though you're driving past, like even if it's your neighbours, they're driving past, they're like, damn. You're such an architect. Damn, that's good. <laughs> I guess the the other things would be love high ceilings. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things we definitely did right was they have all the, like Project Homes have all these packages where they're like, oh, you can get an extra 150 millimetres of ceiling heights. You can go from 2.4 to 2.55 ceilings. Oh. 100% worth it. Always do it. 2.7, even better. Yes. We even went into one Project Home. We're in the master bedroom. They had a coffered ceiling that went up to 3.3 metres. And I, I, I nearly lost it. I was like, this is unreal. We need to find a way to make this happen. But it wasn't worth it. Ceiling details to me is oh, like skylights that kind of went into like open beams, cathedral ceilings, high ceilings, coffered ceilings. I'm just yeah, yeah. a huge fan. And tip for those playing at home, if you are doing a project home, if you get onto your builders early enough, especially even before you sign a contract when you're going through the pen on paper stage, it is so much easier to do stuff then and they are so much more accommodating of it. Because they want to get you to sign up. Because they want to get you to sign up and it is so much cheaper to do it then than to be starting and being like, oh, I need to shut the site down for two weeks because I'm got, I've arranged for Velux to come in and do the Skylight install because it just doesn't work. The reason that these project homes are costed the way they are is because it's so efficient in terms of time mm. and how they design them. If you look at the external footprint of a building 
they're designed for two reasons. They are the design to suit the block that they're coming on. So a lot of them are 12 and a half, 14 meter wide, 16 meter wide, 10 meter wide blocks. So there's a reason that's the footprint. And if you look into it really carefully, a lot of them are designed to the brick because if they're cutting bricks, that's time that they don't have to spend where you can just have a brick layer, just go and just stack them all up. Well, you can, you can obviously see the pros of going with a project build Hundred percent is just the time and the efficiency. You can get your dream home in what, 12 weeks, 14 weeks. Yeah. Yeah. And so Obviously, that's a massive component. It's, it's insane. To- so, if you get onto them early enough, they their job is to figure out the logistics. They can do it, but it's tough for them in the middle of a project if you want to start adding things or you go out and you're like, oh, actually, I want a, a shower seat built in or I want to add more taps or I want an additional shower head. Like, just try so and would get you it all find, the start. Would you find going into a project build scenario, would you have found creating a mood board and coming up with this building block list helpful? Oh my goodness, so much. We'll do we'll do a whole episode on the process, but essentially there is one day that matters for all of this because you'll sign your contract and it'll say you're entitled to these kind of inclusions mm-hmm. and then you'll go out to a design center and then everything goes out the window. Oh, so this is mind-blowing for me. This when you're so actually there in the spot, and tip for those at home, if you are thinking of going to a builder, most of those showrooms are open to the public so you can walk in and have a sticky big forehand, which is something Caitlin and I did and it was 100% worth it because I wasn't there on the day of the appointment. But you go in there and then they you, all these things that you've looked at previously, you've got on your mood board and you're like, I love this, I want that. They're like, oh, no, 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 but that's not in your package. So you come down here and you need to look at these and then you've got to have those key items locked in because you've got to know when you want to fight for things because then it's not too late to change it then, but it's it's extra cost. And so, you got to – they have the information. They'll, they'll be able to get you how much extra you're going to have to pay. But in the moment, you need to know what you're comfortable with. Yeah. And spending on the bigger ticket items is usually worth it for the majority of cases. Like as you are saying earlier, flooring – Ceiling heights, skirting heights, things, door heights. things that aren't easily replaced. The building blocks. The building blocks. <laughs> the and bones. That's, and that's you know I think that's where we pull pull it on this one because next week's going to be another absolute banger of an episode. Everyone, thank you so much for listening, Michaela. Thank you very much for your time. This has oh, been an absolute blast, and I think we're we're starting to kind of really find some form here. So this is great. If anyone at home has got any question on mood boards send them into the Instagram, send them into the Gmail. What I'm thinking we might even do, and I might have to cut this out because this might be promising too much, is maybe we could do up like a little example mood board or something and we'll just put a link out there so it doesn't have to be anything fancy. But like just so if you're Googling mood board. For all of those listening at home, I can actually, why don't I upload a few of my own mood boards that I've completed? So you guys can have a look and just see what that actually looks like because- I think that's something else that we can offer is we can offer examples as well. We'll give an example of this and then maybe even next week when we talk about the building blocks, we'll kind of then distill that down into maybe what a return brief would look like. So when you're, or or a brief, if you're going to say your first client meeting after you've done the mood board, what are those items that you've pulled out of this mood board? So we might run through that as the, the kind of next bit of content that we'll put out there for you guys to have a look at. Everyone at home, if you can, rate, review, subscribe, share, whatever ends up happening or what's best, throw throw us the DMs. It would be an immense help, especially at the early phase of this, and it's the best way to help us out. We're signing off. Thank you all very much for listening once again. Mikhail, thank you for your time for the second time. I'm going to say that. We'll see you next time, everyone. See you next time, guys. See ya.